Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. Uh, just after 8 o'clock, and we are here every Sunday morning, same time on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're coming to you from the Wisden in Las Vegas because for over two years now, the pandemic continues to keep us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Joining me on the show is our social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah, that's right. The Wiz not only has his own studio, but he has his own theme music as well. I still miss Caleb Herring yelling the Wiz better than me, but uh, we'll have Caleb on the show soon again with us. Um, also, uh, back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows for Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Wow, I just tripped right over my words there. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio Line, 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights lost to the Edmonton Oilers uh, and remain on the outside looking in when it comes to the 2022 NHL playoffs. Could they miss the playoffs for the first time in franchise history? Well, we'll let you know. Uh, The play in games are behind us and the real NBA playoffs officially got underway yesterday and some youngsters stole the spotlight. Pretty cool. We'll talk about that. The NFL draft is exactly 11 days away. We will do some previewing and we will have an update on the Las Vegas Aviators who will be back in town this Tuesday night uh, for 12 games. You can catch them down at the Las Vegas ballpark. We'll talk about that as well. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust residential bank court funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options in the state of Nevada. Uh, First of all, I want to say, you know, I said last week the Vegas Golden Knights needed to get four points out of this uh, Canadian road trip where they had three games, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, To me, they probably won the game that surprised me the most, and they won it handedly against Calgary, but then it was... uh, you know, on to Edmonton and the, the game that probably surprised us all the most, although they played Vancouver a lot in the last couple of weeks, that loss to Vancouver to start the road trip hurt him. At least it was an overtime loss and gave him a point, but they got three, not four. Uh, they need every point they can get from this point forward. Spence, let's go and hit head and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. 
133 perfect minutes. He becomes the seventh goaltender in the history of the league to post back-to-back shutouts beyond his 40th birthday. Unbelievable. Mike Smith, uh, ageless, timeless, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, whatever it is. 40 years old, turned 40 in March, the second oldest goaltender in the league behind Craig Anderson, who is, uh, who'll be 41, as a matter of fact, next month. But um, 69 shots, I believe, in the last two games faced by uh, Mike Smith. And this guy just keeping the puck out of the net. Um, I'm not going to say I'm overly surprised at this. We know Mike Smith can really play well. Uh, He's doing so for Edmonton. But, again, 69 saves in two games. Chris Magnum Chapman back in the Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio joining us right now for uh, Nightcap. And, um, you know, as much as you marvel at the the performance by Mike Smith in the last two games against the Vegas Golden Knights and the Nashville Predators, you got to shake your head at the fact that, Chris, this team is almost healthy. Granted, Mark Stone just came back for this road trip, but – Four shots in three games is not going to cut it for Mark Stone. I know he's got to get his legs underneath him and get healthy. He's been out a while. But this team, other than a couple of guys, Brett Houghton, Brett Houghton and William Carrier, uh, and, well, of course, Riley Smith, are almost back to full strength. Yeah, uh, Brian, the, the, the reality is this team dug themselves a pretty big hole. And I will always look back to that five-game road swing where they lost all five games to some well, some really bad teams. They got beat by the Sabres. They lost to the Flyers. Pittsburgh's a good team. They lost to them. Then they lost to Columbus, and then they followed it up with an egg in Winnipeg. Uh, oh, that rhymes. I, I wasn't even trying to do that. But, uh, you know, the, the the reality is I don't think Mark Stone is 100%. Um, I think he he came back to try to help this team make a, a run in these last nine games. Um Look, he, he, he really wasn't very noticeable at all on the road trip. Um, the, Winnip- the, the, the the Vancouver game, I think, was was really disappointing because you, you came off a big win at home. You had a couple of uh, days to get ready for that one. And then you go up there and you, 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 you get beat. And granted, you got the overtime point, but it, it's it's... I think it might be too little too late. You know, I mean, the thing is the LA Kings down the stretch, they've got five games left and they've got five very winnable games. I thought the Golden Knights had them have put themselves in a really good position entering yesterday's game. They played very well up in Edmonton. The last time they were there, they beat the the, the Oilers four to nothing in that game. Mike Smith lit up for four goals, Um, you know, coming off a, a absolute demolition job of the Calgary flames, who I think are the second best team in the, in the Western conference right now, as it is, I, 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 they, they played good in the first period. They gave up the goal. They fell behind the second period. Uh, you know, Edmonton pushed back on them. I think, look, the reality is Vegas was good in the first period and, and they were not bad in the second. They entered the third period down a goal. And you think you have a chance, then you give up a goal in the first minute of the third period. That's just not good enough. And I don't know who you blame. I don't know what you blame. What I do know is that the power play seems to get a lot of blame. And I don't know if it's just the power play. I think it's it's everything. It's it's the power play. It's special. It's it's the penalty kill, which is average. It's the fact that these guys can't seem to score a big goal when they need one, especially against a good team. 
I mean, Brian, I, I, I just don't know. I, I, Golden Knights have six games left. Tomorrow night, they're home against a, a very bad New Jersey Devils team, a team that I, I know quite well because I'm a New Jersey Devils fan, and, and I know that they're not very good. Um, so the Golden Knights should win that game. I say should because I feel like there's a lot of games that they should have won that they didn't. But there's no lock that the Golden Knights beat the Devils. I think I think they will beat them. But the Devils have nothing to, nothing to play for. So why aren't they going to go out there and give you their best game? The, the real issue, Brian, is the Golden Knights at this point could run the table and they could still miss the playoffs because the L.A. Kings now have that three-point advantage as they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not an impressive win, but nonetheless, it's a win. And they got the two points. They win 2-1 to one last night. They're up 2 nothing after the first period, and they end up winning that game 2-1. to one. So you're now three points behind L.A., who only have five games left. Every game, you get a smaller and smaller margin for error, and I just don't know at this point. Look, we knew they weren't going to run the table. The problem is, at this point, you almost have to run the table. You got to win your next six. I mean, the, at that point... That's all you can do is is win your next six games. And I know these guys aren't looking six ahead. They always tell you we're looking at the next game. The next game is all that matters. And that's true. Because if you lose tomorrow, the next five may not matter. The problem, Brian, is I just think they may run out of time. I mean, they, they're going to have to really... I think five and one is probably what they're going to need. I said a couple weeks ago on the VGK Insider Show, I thought they were going to need 97 points. If they win their next, if they go five and one, that puts them right at 97 points. I think that'll be good enough because I don't think LA is going to win all five games. The problem is now you need LA to lose two in order to pass them. Two of their next five. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where it comes. They have two games with Anaheim. They got a game with Chicago. They got a game with Seattle and a game with Vancouver. And Vancouver just lost Bo Horvat for the season. So I, I, I don't know if, if that's going to be. Something that's doable for the Golden Knights. It, it, it's it's really, I hate the cliche, do or die, but it, that, that's what it's down to for the Golden Knights. Too many bad losses on the season. Too many games where they gave up leads or they weren't able to get a big goal in the third period. Too many games where they just weren't good enough against bad teams and dropped points. And the funny thing, I'm not a I'm not a huge proponent of a loser point. I think I, I I've never really liked the idea of. Oh, well, you got the game to overtime, so we're just going to give you a point anyway. The LA Kings, the reason they're in the playoffs today is because of those loser points, not because they've won more games in the Golden Knights. And to me, that's a flawed system when a team that doesn't have more wins than the other is ahead of them in the playoffs. And look, the Golden Knights have nobody but themselves to blame. But I I just, I, I have a difficult time saying, well, you lost more games in overtime than this team did, so you're going to get more points. You get a bonus. Like, to me, that, that that's a bit of a flawed system, and I know it's the best system the NHL's got, and I know it's not going to change, But and it may sound like sour grapes, and maybe it is. But I don't know if the L.A. Kings are actually better than the Golden Knights, yet the L.A. Kings are going to be in the playoffs, it seems. No, Chris, you know, having a game in hand does help. But as you mentioned, the schedule favors the L.A. Kings. And I'm right there with you. I think if the Golden Knights can muster 10 points out of the last possible 12, they should get in. They're four points now behind uh, 
behind both um, Dallas and Nashville. I don't think they catch either one of those teams. Both those teams have a game in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, their best bet, again, as we've been talking about probably for two weeks now, is to somehow catch the L.A. Kings. You know, the L.A. Kings, the fact that Anaheim knows them pretty good, um, you know, but th- is that going to mean wins against them? I really don't know. They didn't play well against the Blue Jackets, as you said last night, but all they needed was a win, and they've got it. It's going to be a really tough road to haul. I don't even think getting Riley Smith back, the presence of William Carrier and Brett Howden is going to be enough. Brossois, you know, is he going to be any better than Leonard or Logan Thompson between the, the pipes? No. Um, I think that is something that does need to be discussed. I mean, in the game against Vancouver, uh, I'm not going to, the overtime goal was definitely not Leonard's fault, but I, I'm going to say that he let in some bad goals in that game. Um, you know, I don't know that they've got the goaltending to, to make a run for the Stanley Cup, you know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You see now a 40-year-old Mike Smith, my God, playing the best hockey, not of his career. The guy has been a really good goaltender, probably a Hall of Famer based on longevity in the league. But, man, is he playing really good. Um, you know, I mean, I'm watching this guy yesterday, and I'm just like, you know what? Uh, Miko Koskinen might be on the the entire postseason if Smith keeps playing the way he's playing. I mean, you got to let puck in the net sometime, right? But going back to the night, um, it is going to be really, really tough for this team to get in. They do have to pretty much win every game. Three games against playoff teams or teams that are on the verge of the playoffs. You know, the Capitals, you're thinking, well, they're pretty much locked in. The Eastern Conference, the top eight teams are pretty much set based on the points. However, the Capitals are still playing for position. Right now, they're sitting in the eight hole. They can move up to that sixth slot, and believe me, that gives them a, a more favorable matchup in the playoffs. So they want to win these games. They don't care that they're already in. They want to win, and uh, that's going to be a tough matchup, but they've got to sweep this homestand. And there's just no question about it. All those games winnable against teams they can beat. And then they've got to go on the road. Uh, they got to play Dallas. You know, if they're a playoff team, that's a game you've got to go into Dallas and you have to find a way to win that game. And that is going to be a tough one. Going to Chicago, uh, again, another team that has absolutely nothing to play for except for pride, which means an awful lot to professional athletes. And uh, then to close out the season against another playoff team in the St. Louis Blues, it is going to be a tough road to haul for this team this year, and it could be the first time they miss the postseason. We'll find out. Uh, we'll find out. Um, you know, in the next couple of you know, the next week or so. But um, I agree with you, Chris. It's going to be awfully tough. Yeah, I and- mean, the the sad thing, Brian, is next week, like literally one week from today, we could be doing a eulogy on the Golden Knights season because if they lose one of these home games, and and look, I'm gonna, it, it may sound funny, I think the game that could catch them. And I know fans here don't want to hear it. I think that Sharks game is a massive, massive landmine because, you know, we we talked about the other day on the Insider Show. I think San Jose, they want nothing more than to ruin Pete DeBoer's season. They want nothing more than to be the team that kind of knocks the Golden Knights out of the playoffs. And here's the other thing. The Golden Knights have won like 11 straight games against the San Jose Sharks. You don't think that that's weighing on the minds of guys like Logan Couture and guys like Tomas Hurdle and, and, and everyone else, Timo Meyer. Yeah, yeah you, you don't think those guys are, are pissed that they've lost? I mean, think about it. In, the, in this day and age in the NHL, a team that you beat in the playoffs just a couple years ago in a Game 7 has now beaten you 11 straight times. 
That's almost unheard of in the NHL, especially when you consider that the San Jose Sharks, they have some really good players. I mean, they've got guys who are perennial all-stars. So I think the Golden Knights will be okay against New Jersey. I'm not too concerned about Washington. I, I, I think they're they're kind of, all right, you know what? If we win this game, great. If we lose it, it's not the end of the world. I understand playoff positioning, but I think in the, in the NHL playoffs, I don't really think that matters that much because I feel like unless you're the eighth seed and that's where they are right now, but the East is so tight that, that I, I don't think it matters that much because I think any of those eight teams could come out of the, the East, except maybe them. And now, now Pittsburgh's got some injuries, so we'll see about them. But, you know, it's, it's I, I think the landmine game, the trap game, so to speak, I think fans really have to be careful about that San Jose Sharks game. I think I, I think they'll win the next two. The San Jose game scares me. I'm going to be honest. That's And that's the one that probably shouldn't, based on the, how good teams are and how bad teams are. That's the one, man. I, 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 I just have a really bad feeling about that game. No, Chris, you know, it's a really good point. That could be a silent freight train, especially if they do what we need them to do, and uh, that is to come away with two wins before they get to that game. You know, they beat New Jersey. They beat Washington. Now you're feeling really good about yourself. You're going up against a team. You beat 11 games in a row, and you're right. The Sharks have nothing to play for except their crosstown or, you know, their their out-of-state rival in San Jose who's probably been their top rival since they've been in the league. Maybe you, you might want to say it's Colorado, but what a win that would be for San Jose, and especially if the Vegas Golden Knights end up one or two points out of the playoffs and it's because of a loss to San Jose, that would make their season. So I agree with you 100%. That is a landmine game. It could be a silent freight train. The Knights just have to play every game. And right now, you know, the bottom line is this. They are almost back to health. All of their top players are back. I mean, obviously, other than Riley Smith right now, you know, um, Carrier, the physical presence will be helpful, but this team really needs to start playing their best hockey right now. Every game should be looked at as a playoff game right now. I mean, you've got to win every single game. And uh, and and one of the problems, Chris, you know, and I know all year you've been defending Robin Leonard. I've been defending Robin Leonard. I know friends of mine like Brian Shapiro uh, completely against it and are saying, you know, we, they should have never gotten rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm not going to go that route. I still felt that Fleury moving on, especially the way last season ended in the conference finals against the Canadians, I thought it was a good move at the time. I'm not going to say it's not a good move now. It would be crazy if somehow the Knights got in and ended up playing Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. But the, 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 the real, you know, reality is we know that goaltending is extremely necessary in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup. Goaltenders have carried teams to Stanley Cup championships, a la, you know, a la Jonathan Quick. Um, the Golden Knights are either or any of the three netminers good enough to get hot in the playoffs. You know, we know Robin Leonard at, at times has been considered a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey League. At times this year, I've seen him fall flat on his face, Chris, and especially lately. Some of the goals given up in that Vancouver game, in my opinion, were inexcusable, especially how bad the Knights needed that game. Logan Thompson, I will say nothing bad about this kid. He has proven to all of us he's an NHL goalie, and especially the story behind him, if you don't know about Logan Thompson, how he made it to the NHL, it's great, and you should check it out. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about needing a guy that's going to be reliable and consistent between the pipes if they are to make the Stanley Cup playoffs and just to get them there. Chris, can one of these guys do it? Because I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tall ask 
for for Logan Thompson if if he's the guy that that you're playing going into the playoffs. I mean, look, this is a guy who I guess two years ago was playing for the South Carolina Stingrays in the ECHL, which is you know the the lowest level of of minor league hockey. I mean, it, it's almost like you have a guy coming from single A or high A baseball in the middle of the season and telling him he's your ace now in the playoffs. It just doesn't happen that often. I'll say this. Look, I I know fans are, there's still a certain segment of the fan base who are enamored with Marc-Andre Fleury. They are still in love with the guy. And I I, I get it. Look, he had a dynamic personality. He, He played stylistically a way that was very aesthetically pleasing. But I'll say this. Robin Leonard's agent did not tweet out a picture with Robin Leonard in a sword through his back with the name of the head coach during a playoff run. That didn't happen. Robin Leonard was not the guy who made a massive, massive mistake in Montreal that ended up not only costing your team a game in the playoffs, in the in the final, nonetheless, before you go to the Stanley Cup final, but probably ended up costing his team the series in that game against Montreal. Look, I I, I love Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, he is one of the greatest athletes I've ever had the pleasure of covering. He was a super, super guy to deal with. But he wasn't perfect, and neither is Robin Leonard. But Robin Leonard played really, really well. Like, everybody wants to forget. It was Robin Leonard who carried this team to the conference finals in the bubble because Mar- Robin Leonard was the guy. Robin Leonard was part of the Jennings-winning trophy team last year where he helped Marc-Andre Fleury win that Vezina trophy. I can almost guarantee you if the Golden Knights go last season with Malcolm Subban or Calvin Pickard or any of or Maxime Lagasse as, as Marc-Andre Fleury's backup, he doesn't win the Vezina trophy. He won the Vezina trophy because Robin Leonard was so good and so dialed in that the Golden Knights could count on him on multiple nights to come in and relieve Flurry to give him a couple nights off when he needed it. It was a it was one of the best tandems in the NHL of the last decade. And deservedly Mark Andre Flurry won the Vezina and the team the, the guys won the Jennings trophy. But the reality is Robin Leonard hasn't been healthy since last summer. Remember, he had he had shoulder surgery heading into last season, and I don't know if he's ever fully recovered. Look, he says it's not it's not a health issue, or you know, he 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 says it's not what's been reported in the media, and I believe him. But the reality is, Robin Leonard has had multiple stints where he's missed lots of games because he's been injured, and I, I mean, look, this guy when he's fully healthy, he's a top five goalie in the league. I'm sorry, and I know the fans don't want to hear that. Robin Leonard has done nothing to deserve the hate or the visceral or or just the, the the negative animosity that's directed towards him. He's a superhuman being, and he's done a lot for people away from hockey. It's unfair. It pisses me off when I see it because it's undeserved. And his play on the ice, you know what? You could say it's been inconsistent, but he's not the worst goalie in the NHL. When Robin Leonard's dialed in, he's freaking awesome. It's it, 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 Brian. I I just don't understand why people get so angry and hate this guy so much. It's so ridiculous. It's so unfair. It bothers me 
in my position, and maybe it shouldn't, right? Maybe I should separate Chapman, the sports fan, to Chapman, the the reporter. But it bothers me because he 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 doesn't deserve it. It's unwarranted. It's it's just a lot of it's quite honestly, Brian, it's disgusting. Some of the stuff I see said about that guy. If you don't like him and you don't like the way he plays, fine. But when you attack the man for for his his mental health and you attack the man for for whatever else he's dealing with, you're not a fan. You're a piece of garbage. Chris, I'm not going to disagree with that, looking at it from that point of view, but just talking from a pure hockey standpoint, a lot of what you're talking about, Robin Leonard, is accurate, but a lot of what you're talking about in his success is history. Prior to him being hurt, prior to last season, or prior to this season, I understand all that, but we have to talk about right now and what's best for this team and what's going on with this team, and I agree with you. And Like I said, I was I, I knew Marc-Andre Fleury was gone after last year. I knew this was going to happen, and, and, and granted, we had a lot of detractors to that and hold on I just lost my uh, my headset here so let me get this back in my ear but but um you know the whole thing is is that that Mark Andre Fleury uh still has the goods we understand that and he's where he should be right now Robin Leonard did look like the heir apparent. You're right in the bubble. He played great. He has had moments where you can see he can play as an upper echelon goalie. But right now, what we have seen is inconsistency. And again, no matter what the reason we are talking about right now and today, forget about Robin Leonard as a person. I agree with you, but Chris, there's plenty of great, uh, great people in their community, great professional athletes in their community that maybe some of them passed their prime, some of them maybe not as good as as uh, as we thought. Well, they well were. But, but Brian, the thing is, how consistent has the team in front of him been too? No, no, Chris, I, I, I and, and look, and, and, and I understand, look, this year has not, it, it has not been a year that I think Robin Leonard will look back on when, when he's retired and say, oh, this was one of my best seasons. But prior to this season, Robin Leonard had not given anybody reason to believe that he wasn't good enough to be the number one goalie in Vegas. Heading into this season and prior to his injury in the offseason when he had the surgery, he was one of the best goalies in the NHL, and the numbers will back it up. The numbers Chris, back up how good Chris, he's I been. Gotta, I got I got I got to interrupt you again. You can't be surprised at the reaction to Robin Leonard when this team is looking like the first. It's the first year without Mark Andre Fleury, and the team is on the verge of missing the playoffs for the first time. And we're talking about, and, and no offense to, to, to the Vegas community, we are talking about um, a, a fan base that is not familiar with the National Hockey well, no, League. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No, say, no, hold say, on. But, let, me, let me finish this. Let me finish this point. So you have to expect this when you were talking about a guy like Mark Andre Fleury, who's the face of this franchise, a Hall of Famer, one of the top goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League, and they let him go, and now he's with the team that's going to be in the playoffs. Man, if the Minnesota Wild has success with him between the pipes this year, you think Leonard's getting it bad now? Wait until well, then. Well, the Understand, thing again that when a guy leaves like this, and a guy like Mark Andre Fleury, who was so immensely popular popular not just among the fan base in Las Vegas in the NHL the guy's beloved I mean he's he is one of the most popular players in the NHL in the past decade so when you let a guy a goal like when you let someone go like that if your team doesn't experience success or keep success going there's going to be a scapegoat and unfortunately for Robin Leonard he's the Arab parrot he is the scapegoat you have to understand that and I forgive Golden Knights fans for not for, for again because that is all they can see 
Marc-Andre Fleury's not here. This team isn't winning. And I agree, Chris. They have not played as well in front of Robin Leonard as this team has played traditionally in front of their goaltenders. Well, well but I, I just want to... It's going to matter to the fan base. The fanboy base cares about winning and getting to the playoffs. And right now, again, especially a game like Vancouver, that you have to win on a road trip where the two games coming after that are against playoff teams with some of the best players in the game. And you lose that game and you lose it in part because of the bad play of your goaltender. This is what's going to happen. Well, I'm not well, going to say... But Brian, Brian, where, where, where was... Where was why, why were the haters so quiet in November and December when this team had lost William Carlson, they lost Max Pacioretty, they lost Mark Stone... They went to the East Coast and swept a five-game road trip on the back of Robin Leonard. He played phenomenal. Where were where? Why were the haters so quiet when this team was playing well up until mid-January? Chris, because it, it, that's 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 the way it's always going to be. When but you're but winning, but that's the thing. Quiet. Like like but, like he but, played. But look, you're, you're he helped. This team would not be in the position that they are in today with an opportunity to maybe make the playoffs if Robin Leonard did not carry this team in the first half of the season. But see, there you go. You're talking about him carrying the team in the first half of the season. His injury and his surgeries came after last season. Well, but but so, but he so he clearly saying, is not. He's not the same guy. No, I understand. But again, I'm not going to make excuses for him, Chris. You've got to win. And if he's not the same guy and he doesn't feel up to par and he's not as good as he can be, then he needs to go to Pete DeBoer and say, "Don't put me between the pipes." I mean, I don't feel my best, and this team needs to win. My, I, I, again, the last thing I'll say about this, because I know you got to move on. The fans, if they want to be angry, they should be taking it out on the front office. Don't take oh, it out will, on Robin Chris. Leonard. It's not It's not his fault. Chris, let me ask you this, okay? I, they will. And, you know, I, I, I was actually on uh, Pushing the Limits with uh, Brian Shapiro earlier in the week, and we actually talked about this. He asked me this question, so I'll pose it to you. Who is going to take the fall if this team doesn't have doesn't make the playoffs and even if they do if they don't have success and gets bounced in the first round and looks bad who's going to take the fall and I said it's going to be the upper Robin Leonard is going to be one of those people as far as the players go but it's going to be the upper office it's going to be Pete DeBoer behind the coach and it's going to be Kelly Crimin. I mean, George McPhee constructed this team to win right off the get-go. You have an owner, Bill Foley, who was willing to do whatever it takes and spend whatever it takes to win. Look at the stadium. Look what they where they play. Look at the atmosphere at these games. Okay, so this team is constructed to win right now. This year's team going out and getting Eichel, which to me was is the greatest move this team has made in their history, built this team to win. And now Jack Eichel, not only back, he's playing as high of a level as he can. He's putting the puck in the net every other game, basically, on average, actually more than that. So this team's constructed win. So you have to look at Kelly McCrimmon. You have to look at Pete DeBoer and say, what the hell is going on? Okay, we've been bitten by the injury bug. And I'm sorry I say we. I'm a Golden Knights fan. They're, I'm a transplant, but uh, they, they were formed when I was here, so I guess I could say that. But this team was built to win right now. They are expected to win now. In professional sports, it is all about plug-and-play. There are injuries in every league, every sport. This is the worst the Vegas Golden Knights have been bitten by the injury bug. I'll give you that. But still. Not, not, not only the, the worst they've is- been bitten, they they ha- they lead the league in games lost due to injury. If they make the playoffs, and I think I saw this stat, so I think I have it right. If they make the playoffs, they will have the they will have the record for the team to have most games missed 
due to injury to make the playoffs in one season. I, I, I know this opinion may not be popular, and I, I and, and I, I don't mind if people are angry and come at me for saying it. I don't I don't think any heads roll if they don't make the playoffs. I do think the leash for a lot of people is short next season, but I think Bill Foley also understands that this team has lost so many games due to injury. The the problem, Brian, and 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 again, this may not be popular. I I don't know if you don't have the same problem next season with guys getting injured because the reality is this isn't a young team. No, I'm not going to, you know, injuries are just part of it. And you're right. As teams get older and more experienced, you're going to have more injured players. But I I don't know that heads don't roll at the end of the season, Chris. I don't fully agree with you there. But if they don't, I agree. A short leash might be an overstatement next year. Pete DeBoer will be gone after 10 games if this team went like three and seven in their first 10. That's how short of the leash I think it will be next year. Because not making the playoffs, even with everything they've been through, is going to be a disappointment, and especially at the fact that they let Marc-Andre Fleury go. And again, I was an advocate of that, and I'm not going to change my opinion on it, but the fan base is going to be calling for heads to roll and say, man, you let rid of 100%, they are going to blame letting Marc-Andre Fleury go as the reason this team didn't make the playoffs. Win, lose, or draw, that's the way it is, and that's going to be a reality. We will move on. Again, they've got six games left. They've got a game in hand on the L.A. Kings. Dallas and Nashville have a game in hand on them. They're four games behind the Predators and the Stars, and they're three games or three points, I should say, behind uh, the L.A. Kings. It is going to be tough. I agree. Ten out of 12 points are a must for this team to get in, and it starts by sweeping this three-game homestand. They have to do it, and they can't have a letdown game, as Chris suggests, against the San Jose Sharks, or they will not get in. And I'll tell you what, you're right, Chris. That is a gigantic landmine sitting right in front of them, and I hope as soon as the Washington game ends, DeBoer is already talking about that, that we cannot think because we've won 11 games in a row against the San Jose Sharks team that we're going to automatically make it 12. They still got to play the game. And you are right. San Jose has some veterans that are, would love to spoil the Vegas Golden Knights uh, season. Have this be the first time they didn't make the playoffs because of that game. Let's move on, Spence. Let's get right into this because I'm actually excited to talk about this. We haven't talked about the NBA forever. Hit fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. This is a fact. In the end, the history of the NBA, no two opposing players age 22 or younger have ever scored 30 or more points in the same playoff game. This changed yesterday in game one of the opening round of the playoffs between number two seed Memphis Grizzlies and the number seven seed Minnesota Timberwolves. T-Bulls won the game 130 to 117. Anthony Edwards, age 20, scored 36 for the T-Wolves. And John Morant, one of my favorite players in a while to come into the NBA, man, got me watching the NBA more this year. He scored 22. Um, Excuse me, he scored 32. He is 22 years old. Also, in the Warriors' win over Denver in game one of that series, he had uh, 22-year-old Jordan Poole, a rookie from U of M. He scored 30, and he also had uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey, who topped them all with the Philadelphia 76ers. 38 points yesterday, Spencer. I got to tell you, man, what an exciting game to watch, a day to watch basketball playoffs. But four guys, 22 or younger, scoring 
30-plus points in the same day. Not only has that never happened before in NBA history, but before yesterday, only two players under the age of 22 had ever done it on the same day. I mean, it is amazing the young talent that is coming into the NBA right now. And if you're not paying attention, you should. These guys are really, really good. Anthony Edwards may be a guy a lot of people haven't heard of because he plays for the T-Wolves, a market that isn't really a huge basketball fan. I mean, the last time people talked about the T-Wolves is probably when uh, when um, Kevin Garnett was playing for the team. But right now with the cat, Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards, this is a team that could make some noise. And as good as your Memphis Grizzlies have been, Spencer, uh, they got to be careful. This Minnesota Timberwolves team is built for the postseason, and they've got some talent on this team that really is as good as any team in the, in the National Basketball Association. Well, there's a lot of things, and I do want to start with Tyrese Maxey because what he did was truly impressive. And here's the thing that I think no one talks about when it comes to the 76ers. If Tyrese Maxey isn't this good, and he wasn't supposed to be, he's not a top 10 pick or anything, none of this thing for the 76ers works at all. Their cap space is a nightmare. They overpaid for uh, Tobias Harris, and you know he had a great game yesterday too. But you know when it comes to losing Ben Simmons, look, I know he wasn't the greatest offensive threat either, but he did it. Like he was really good for the team, and they don't have like a bench at all. Tyrese Maxey was coming up, and he had a good rookie season, but he stepped up so much more for them. And a lot of people had the Raptors maybe upsetting the 76ers in this series, which I think was ridiculous because, I mean, yes, they have Fred Van Fleet, they do have some, you know championship experience but there no there's no superstars on that team and i guess we'll find out about scotty barnes today as well who rolled his ankle pretty badly oh man spencer he's done he used to, not only did he roll it it got stepped on while he got rolled and it looked like it was at about almost a 90 degree angle i don't see him back for the rest of the playoffs no matter how far they go yeah and there's a lot to talk about the 76ers but going on along with the the young thing and uh with the t-wolves when you talk about anthony edwards and how small their market is they have experience or inexperience similar to like the Lions level. Like I don't think I don't know if you ever looked at them. They had that one, like literally that one run with Kevin Garnett. Outside of that, in the last 17 years, they have not really gotten close to the playoffs. And if they have, they are first round exits strictly. So that was a big difference. And you know, I think when it comes to that first game, and I watched it obviously, I'm from the 901 area. My phone number is 901 still to this day. Uh, so I'm a big Memphis fan. They had just played a play-in game, and I remember a team very similar like that last year. The Memphis Grizzlies, when they played the Utah Jazz, John Morant scored 46 uh, in Utah, I think in game two. So they were just ready, and the Grizzlies had played a lot of really bad teams at the end of the season. A, a lot of stinkers, like the Pelicans, they beat by 40. A lot of, like the Pacers, I think they played twice. So they were just a little laxed, and it's hard. When the playoffs start, it's just a whole different atmosphere, and I think the Memphis Grizzlies got a really big taste of that. And I think they're going to come back a lot, a lot more ready. You know, this is going to be a good series. These are two really good young teams. A lot of you basically have your three stars, right, for the T-Bulls. And you have your three stars, you know, for the Grizzlies, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, who had really bad foul trouble despite having seven blocks yesterday. And then Desmond Bain. You can also throw in Dylan Brooks and a whole lot of other names. But that's going to be probably the most entertaining series of the first round. When you look at, you know, Golden State, the big question was, is Steph Curry healthy enough? which, uh, yes, he was. <laughs> there was no really debating there. Uh, so that series is pretty locked up. The 76ers, Scotty Barnes is out. That's done. So I think that's going to be the primetime game, and I think that's reflected because the Grizzlies' next game with the T-Wolves is at 530. Whatever the slate of the game is, like the later, the more popular. No, I, Spencer, you know, it was impressive to have the T-Wolves 
beat the Clippers to start off just to, to make sure that they secured their, that seven seed, which I know they wanted good because they felt they matched up well against the Memphis Grizzlies, which obviously we saw yesterday they do. And, and again, if, uh, if you continue to have play like that from Anthony Edwards, which you can see the upside, this kid is a future superstar in the NBA. I mean, he looks so good. I love what I'm seeing there. And Carl Anthony Towns, he played with purpose and wow, what a, what a pickup that was for the Timberwolves. And you're right, the Timberwolves, not only significant, but if Memphis isn't careful, they could lose this series. I mean, John Morant, you know, the biggest thing with Memphis is, you know, they played well without John Morant. They found ways to win without him, but you're not winning without him in the postseason. John Morant, the most electrifying player, in my opinion, in the National Basketball Association right now, that's huge. And as you talked about the Golden State Warriors, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, Steph Curry missed his first three three-pointers. Then, of course, he got into it. But, you know, um, he had a decent he had a decent game yesterday, 16 points in 22 minutes, getting back into it after you know a month without it. But really, Jordan Poole, man, what a great story for Golden State. 30 points in that game. The, the kid was completely out of his mind. 17 points in the half. First half, he was six of six from the field. He ended with 30 points, nine of 13, and five of seven from three-point land. You know, like the Warriors don't have enough talent with Klay Thompson now back healthy, you know, Green and Steph Curry. Now you add Jordan Poole to the mix. You know, People got to start talking about the Warriors as a team, Spencer, that could potentially go a long way in the playoffs because not only grizzled veterans, but as much playoff experience as anybody left in the postseason. Well, yeah, and they have Jonathan Camillo who's a rookie. So you want to talk about a pool of talent, no pun intended. But, I mean, this is the big thing. I mean, I'm not so worried about the Nuggets. Where I'm not a Warriors fan. I don't care. They could lose in the first round, and I'd be probably happy about it. But uh, he's a hot and cold kind of guy, and I think he has taken on the exact same role that Jordan Clarkson has taken with the Utah Jazz, where he comes off the bench. I know sometimes he started like due to injuries this year, but he's a sixth guy off the bench. He's the kind of like three-level scorer where they kind of let him do his thing, and sometimes he intermixes with the starters. So – this series, yes, we'll see if he can stay consistent. But once you get later into the playoffs, because let's be honest, the Nuggets, I don't even know how they got to this position. No, know. it's it's, just, it's sad, Spencer. If you know, I don't mean to cut you no, off. No, but yeah. It's really sad with the Nuggets. Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr., both those guys are healthy right now. You know, Jokic is on his own out there, man. And, and it's just that's not how fit. good he is. That's <laughs> how good he is to keep this game going. But you put those two guys in the mix, as good as the Warriors are, Denver could beat them. I mean, they could, and I think Denver could beat anybody when they've got all three of those guys playing and healthy, but this isn't going to be a series without them. The, the Joker can only do so much, man, and, and he'll not, he won't be able to win this series. It's unfortunate because this could have been a great series where you talk about the best series to watch might be Memphis, Minnesota, and I agree, this would have been the best series had Denver been healthy throughout. Three, four big games going on today. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing all the games today that are, that are going on. Um, you know, you've got the you know Atlanta and the Miami Heat um, an exciting game an exciting series Atlanta wins their way into the playoffs and when you've got Trey Young man this guy is so good Spencer that we saw last year him carry the Hawks literally uh, to the conference finals can he do it again this year I mean they had to win a playing game to get in two playing two games. excuse me two playing games to get in is Trey Young good enough to do it again? Well, I just want to say you have to give a lot of credit to the Atlanta Hawks, who started off awful this season. I mean, they looked like they were a shoe-in to miss the playoffs, and then they looked like they were going to you know, battle with the Knicks for that last playoff spot. But as we all know, the Knicks tailored off really quickly after the All-Star break. They were a hot mess, and then the Hawks were just there, and they were hoping to make it, and they've caught in heat at the right time. And I think 
this was probably the best example of the playing game. I think last year it kind of looked like a colossal failure because all the teams that had made it were really bad. But this kind of shows, and I, I actually like this system. Like it kind of makes up for injuries like and all that kind of stuff. And they made it in, and they deserve to be in. So uh, there we go. The system works at least for one season. And this was going to be great. It's going to be a high-flying series. They definitely can win this. I'm not a huge believer in the Miami Heat. Now, I'm not going to say that Atlanta Hawks are going to go in there and sweep them or anything. I think they'd have to take it to seven games. And there was also a report today that John Collins is going to give it a go. And they're going to need everybody. Yeah, they and they're going to need guys like DeAndre Hunter to step up big time. They need guys like Clint Capella probably to make some more free throws than he does normally. Kevin Herter. I mean, they have a lot of guys on their team who can make shots. So they can make it happen. And we'll just have to see. But Trey Young, absolutely. He's already proven that he can. I mean, they went far this year. And I think if they lose in this first round, it's no skin off their back. But I think getting there was the most important thing for them because going close to the conference finals to missing the playoffs would have been really, really bad. And I kind of feel bad for the Cleveland Cavaliers who are in the seventh seed. I mean, that's pretty far up to miss the playoffs, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. And if it was the Cleveland Cavaliers playing the Atlanta Hawks, it wouldn't have been interesting at all. So again, talking about the playing tournament, it's cool to see that the Hawks get the opportunity to play the Heat because I think this could be all uh, or equal to the Grizzlies, uh, Timberwolves, as you have here with the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat in terms of entertainment. Yeah, and and, and again, the, the Hawks are playing their best basketball at the right time like they did last year. But the Miami Heat going to them, this is a team, again, you can't sleep on. Jimmy Butler, as good as anybody in the NBA, when he, especially in the postseason, he elevates his game as good as I've ever seen anybody. Al, a couple of years ago in the bubble, we saw what Jimmy Butler can do. And again, to me, you know, I don't want to say underrated because people that know the game talk about him, but Eric Spolstra, to me, the most underrated, and, I, and again, I said I don't want to say underrated, but he really is. Maybe basketball, the most underrated basketball coach, when you talk about basketball history and what he's did, done, Pat Riley, another great, a great hire to bring this guy in a few years back, many years back now, and Spolstra quietly becoming arguably the best coach in the National Basketball Association. I mean, this guy is a master at plug and play, and you know, we talk about about plug and play we were talking about it earlier with injuries with the Vegas Golden Knights Eric Spolstra loses players gets more and just finds a way to get the most out of his talent and out of his players and we saw that a couple of weeks ago when he went toe-to-toe with Jimmy Butler you thought the two of them were going to start fighting on a basketball court but that is the presence that he has he does not back down from his players he doesn't care who the hell you are he's going to get in your face and he expects the most out of you and you know what since that game when he got in Jimmy Butler's face you have seen an elevation in Jimmy Butler's game again right at the right time and uh that is the magic of Eric Spolstra. And I think people need to talk to him more about when they talk about the great coaches in the NBA, not just now, but all time. Spolstra's right there. He's got a couple, couple of championships, Spencer. And uh, the, the year of the run in the bubble was one of the best I've ever seen on a Miami Heat team that had no business being there. And they made this run. And as much credit as they gave to Jimmy Butler and guys like Tyler Hero for this run, it was Eric Spolstra and his mastermind job behind the bench. Eric Spolstra has zero coaches of the year award do you know that yeah it's crazy it's, it's crazy, crazy. like i said as underrated as it gets and i don't want to use that term because most people when you talk to them about the nba spencer his name does come up oh, yeah. but yet when you talk to general fans in general i'll bet fans don't even know who he is yet and yet because they look at that lebron james team and they say well that wasn't eric Spolster. that was lebron james chris bosh and dwayne wade 
No, man, Eric Spolster, when you have to, and that's what made Phil Jackson so great throughout his career, when you have to manage and, and, and put together some of the biggest talent in the league and some of the biggest egos in the league, it is not an easy thing to do. Jimmy Butler is a guy, hey, a very intelligent guy, but a guy that beats to the tune of his own drummer. And Eric Spolster and him have a way of getting along that it takes a special coach like an Eric Spolstra, like, you know, like a Popovich, like, you know, guys like that that can handle this type of personality and, and, and mesh these kind of players together. And Spolstra is as good as anyone ever I've seen in the game. Well, yeah, we talked about X's and O's in basketball, or, or I guess we really don't. But when it comes to being a basketball coach, you're not just creating defensive plans and schemes and scouting reports. You're managing divas and superstars and when jimmy butler stepped up to him you know he looks at him and he goes i coached lebron james literally the greatest basketball player of all time and i kept him in check so if you think you're going to step over me it's not going to happen and jimmy butler was able to do that against tom thibodeau with the t wolves and you can go back and you can even go back to the 76ers this guy thinks he can go over anybody eric spolster says my job's secure i'm not going anywhere phil jackson and me you know i'm not going anywhere so if you try to step on me you're gone this is miami jimmy butler you're a good. You're a good star, no doubt. But if you think that you can come in here and change the plan, that's not happening. I'm here to stay for as long as I want to, and you're not. We can trade for another superstar anytime we want to. And I think that got to Jimmy Butler's head, and they're playing better for it. And in all professional sports, without question, the toughest behind the bench is in the NBA because you get guys that just have personalities. I mean, for God's sakes, you saw Kyrie Irving not respect Steve Nash, a Hall of Famer, when he became the coach in Brooklyn. And it's like, we don't need a coach. It's like, so for a guy like Spolster to be able to stand up to guys like Jimmy Butler, hats off and all the credit in the world to him. He is, if not the best coach in the National Basketball Association, right there with the best of them. Because again, Popovich getting a bit older. Um, I would take Spolster over anybody in the league as a head coach right now. And he deserves all the credit in the world, no matter what Miami does this season in the postseason. Uh, he is the orchestrator behind that team. But you got four games today. The Nets and the Celtics ought to be an exciting, uh, oh, an exciting series, too. It really might. I mean, you're going to really have to see uh, Kevin Durant play his best basketball right now. And you say, well, why? It's the Celtics. The Celtics have been winning their way in now and, 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 and have found a way to win all season consistently. And, and you know, they're well coached as well. And, and, of course, the Brooklyn Nets, man, this team, again, was a team that was put together to win right now. They've been nothing but a disappointment. They've been able, not able to get their stars healthy. You know, you know Harden gone now. Can the Brook well, let me really frame it this way this series so you know how exciting it is. Kyrie Irving obviously went to Boston and left. He called everybody in Boston racist. He went onto the center court to rub his shoes on the logo and he says, No, let's no have no hard feelings. No hard feelings, dude. You, how are you going to do these actions and then say, No, we're cool, we're cool? No, this series is going to get really heated, especially in game one. I mean, in Boston, it is going to be buzzing out there. Everybody hates that guy vehemently. I'm looking really forward to it. The Bulls-Bucks series to me isn't going to be a series. I mean, what the Bulls did this year, really, really good success. Some great talent there. But Milwaukee could very well go back-to-back. I mean, that's a team that just, especially now that's stepping up in the postseason. And an interesting series should be the Pelicans and the Suns. You'd think the Suns, best team in the NBA, should win this series, no problem. The Pelicans are playing as loose as can be. No one expected them to be there. No one expected them to win through the, the play-in, let alone now getting to go against the number one seed in the Western Conference. 
Don't sleep on the Pelicans. I think they will win two games in this series. I really do. It should be more fun than you think. Spence, running low on time, so I really wanted to talk about NFL and the NFL draft. Of course, 11 days away here in Vegas. Vegas getting the NFL draft. Going to be pretty exciting. Uh, red carpet event. They got all kinds of stuff going on. But when we're talking about the 11th, 11 days away, I thought, well, let's look at the 11th team to draft in the NFL, and that is the Washington uh, Commanders now. Uh, they will have the 11th pick. In February, Washington um, announced that, that they were changing the team name to the Commanders. Um, they are the first team to change their name without moving location since the Tennessee Oilers became the Tennessee Titans. And you knew that was going to change because they were the Houston Oilers, Texas known for an, oh, the, oil country, the oil state. So it, it made sense. This is done, obviously, out of uh, a reason that the, the, they had to get rid of the name the Redskins. Um, I love the Washington football team. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to get Jay Schrader to join the show, former quarterback for both the, Red, uh, the Washington football team, Washington Redskins, when he played. And, of course, he played with the Oakland Raiders as well. Bring Jay in to get his feeling on this. But uh, that's not the subject is. They lost, you know, the, the biggest move, one of the biggest moves in the offseason was them going to the Colts and getting Carson Wentz, uh, who really has been a disappointment since his first season in the league with Philadelphia. This guy's been a disappointment. Uh, you know, and when you look at what Washington, they lost five-time Pro Bowl guard Brandon Sheriff uh, to the Jaguars in free agency. They did pick up a former Pro Bowl guard in Andrew Norwell from the Jaguars, but you need all the protection you can get for Carson Wentz. He has not looked the same since he was hurt. He plays scared half the time, makes poor decisions. He's not the answer in Washington. And you know what, Spencer, which really is kind of shocking, this statistic, you know me with finding these stupid statistics, you shake your head about all the time. But do you know that he becomes the 26th different starting quarterback since Dan Snyder purchased the team in just 1999? That is 23 seasons, 26 starting quarterbacks. Pretty amazing, right? Well, they're getting investigated also for financial fraud on top yeah. of sexual assault allegations. So they got a lot going on. But I just wanted to quickly say, because I know we're almost out of time, the Colts gave up Carson Wentz without a backup plan. They're glad they got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was not in place that week or even the week after when they traded Carson Wentz away. I think that's all you need to know about the QB situation, even though technically Carson Wentz didn't play that bad last year outside of the last two games. I'm not I'm not sold on Carson Wentz. I think that they'll be awful this year, uh, Washington with him at the helm. I just I just don't see it. I think that the, and by the way, we said the 11th pick. I'm going to say if he's still available, they're going to take Kyle Hamilton, who to me is a player with someone who can come in as a rookie and be a high level starter at either free safety or strong safety. He can take away the run game in the box and he can also shadow multiple quarterbacks. He's six foot four and can match up with tight ends. I like him a lot. I think he's going to end up being in the 11th pick of the Washington uh, Commanders. We'll see. Listen, we're almost out of time, or we are out of time, and I just want to say the uh, Las Vegas Aviators, uh, they finish up their final game of a 12-game road trip um, against Salt Lake, actually a six-game road trip, the Salt Lake Bees. They're five and six, six excuse me, six and five on the season. Uh, after that, they're, they're coming back home for 12. They'll be home starting Tuesday. They'll play the El Paso Chihuahuas for six, and then the Tacoma Rainers for six after that. If you haven't been down there, God, get down and check out the Las Vegas ballpark. It is a great time 
a real reasonable ticket. And then afterwards, you can go hang out in downtown Summerlin. Always fun. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, uh, and, of course, uh, Chris Magnum Chapman back in the Fox Sports Residential Bankrupt Studio. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line again. We'll probably have Jay Schrader on next week talking about the NFL draft, and we'll focus on that. Um, and let's hope next week when we're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, they've won two, and they're getting ready to play next Sunday, the San Jose Sharks, and hopefully that won't be a landmine that Chris Chapman suggested it would be. Once again, back next Sunday. We're here every week, same time, 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9.